welcome back to this week's episode of the SeaTown Podcast, where we invite on Seattle area business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to share their stories with us. I'm your host, Christian Harris. Thank you for joining us today for the SeaTown Podcast. I'm joined by Darcy Bressler and Jocelyn Roth, uh, the sisters that own and run Resting Waters Aquamation, um, Seattle Pet Funeral Home here in West Seattle. Uh, so Jocelyn, when, when I met you and you told me what you did, I was uh, intrigued. I'd never heard of Aquamation. Uh, can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about what it is? Yeah, so Aquamation is essentially what happens in the earth if you were to bury a body straight into the ground. We just accelerate that process instead of years. Uh, it takes 20 hours and a system that comprises of a stainless steel vessel that we fill with warm water and alkali and then that water moves over the body for a 20 hour period, leaving behind the skeletal remains, which is the same end product of flame-based cremation. It's just not what we typically see in our minds when we talk about traditional cremation. We sort of envision a body going in and a pile of ash coming out, but what comes out is a skeleton, just like in our system. So with our system, we allow that skeleton to dry, and that can take anywhere from 24 hours for a cat to, you know, we've had... Four days, yeah, for a a large dog. Mm -hmm. Really depends on the humidity. And in Washington State, we have a pretty high dew point, so that can mess with it. But um, we let everything naturally dry because we consider ourselves a green company. And so we try to keep that pretty fluid throughout what we do. And um, so we just have a room with a baker's rack like you would see in a commercial kitchen and everybody gets their little shelf and we wait it out until we can process the remains. Okay, interesting. Now uh, you mentioned that, uh, now you guys basically like pioneered this in Washington, it wasn't like a law to allow this or something? So there was a law that allowed it and actually if you read the RCW for pets specifically, That allows a lot. So you can legally compost an animal in Washington State. You can put them up to a certain weight into your trash can. Um, You know, I believe rendering is still on the books, although we haven't found anyone who knows if that's still something that happens in Washington State. Where they take the body and they, yeah, redo, they make it into shampoo and conditioner and you know they yeah they render the body down and make it into products um but we have not even though it's on the rcw we haven't personally found anyone that seems to know that that's still a common practice although it was in the 70s you know before the large crematories came they veterinarians literally just threw away animals and then rendering plants would come and take the bodies out of the trash and then take them off to rendering plants so um, so it was legal, it just wasn't being done. Mm-hmm. And I had read an article and said, is this in Seattle? And then realized it wasn't in Seattle and knew I had to figure out how to get it here. Sure. And then we just started our couple years of research, working with the city, building out spaces, bringing in equipment. Okay. What was the main motivation? Like, I want to start a business, what can I do? Or is it like you kind of had a passion for this kind of thing specifically? Um, So I knew I wanted to own a business. I had been a support spouse for a decade and um, I love my husband dearly, but it wasn't super fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And I also had a lot of fears associated with if he were to pass, even though we had 
a good amount of life insurance, it doesn't last forever. And I hadn't worked outside of the house in a long time. So he had encouraged me for years to start a business. And we kind of went through the gamut of, I mean, so many options. We almost bought a restaurant at one point and I was going to live in a different town and Um, We would see each other on the weekends, and we went through, like, should I own a clothing boutique? But I don't actually even like shopping, so that didn't (laughs) seem like a good fit. Um, Friends of ours, we tried to buy a movie theater at one point and then realized that the margins were not worth it. And so during all that, though, and there was, like, a really intense period where I was actively seeking out, and I was with a group of people. We were actively together trying to find this aha business, Mm -hmm. I read an article about aquamation and I knew death care was a natural fit for me, but I didn't really want to be a mortician and go to school and Mm -hmm. like start from the ground up. I'm almost 40. That seemed a little bit ridiculous at the time. So, um, you know, the laws for pet death care are there aren't any mm-hmm. so there's no one telling us how to operate or what we can and cannot do we don't have to be licensed morticians and um it just seemed like a really natural fit for me mm-hmm. and my husband and i had this ongoing sort of joke that what we should do was something that had a science and gave back to the community and this is a science and it definitely definitely gives back to our pet loving community in a way that just wasn't here so um so it just worked and i sent my husband an email and said i want to do this and he really quickly emailed me back and said we'll figure it out which began this like downward spiral of how, you know, how do you bring a technology sure. that's not here to the state? And then, um, but the city was great with us and they really were very helpful. And um, I will say we jumped through minimal hoops mm-hmm. okay. compared to some other communities that have done the same thing. Sure. Uh, now you say that, uh, that when, you're, when you're researching this, death care is kind of a natural fit for you. Why, uh, why would you say that? I mean, a lot of people in Western world's kind of uncomfortable with with death, you know, these days? Well, at 18, I had volunteered for hospice, and I was the youngest volunteer in my group. Um, It was me and a bunch of retirees, and they were very sweet to me, but um, there was definitely this interesting dynamic, Mm -hmm. you know. And death care at 18 didn't bother me, so I figured at, you know, 30 seven it wasn't going to bother me either and it just I don't know it just felt very comfortable I'm exceptionally comfortable around the dead and I knew that I could do the work so sure yeah it does sound like a good fit now now Darcy where where did Mm -hmm. you come into the picture how did you get roped into this (laughs) well I was leaving a long time career working for a nonprofit and um, was possibly going to move down to California realized very quickly that company wasn't a good fit um, and then Jocelyn kind of caught wind of that I wasn't going back to either job and um, just said hey I'm doing this thing do you want to jump on and you know do it I had been working in business and you know had some other skills that maybe she didn't um, you know have being mm-hmm. a mom and a you know wife for years mm-hmm. um, so you know office suite is something I can can get around okay and um, so she said yeah do you want to do this and I was like okay sounds good didn't even really think twice about it and honestly I didn't even in my mind put together like 
I'm going to be around dead animals all day long kind of a thing. I just was like, okay, this will be fine. And um, it definitely took me a little bit longer to be okay with everything. Um, but I was also very surprised how quickly that it just became very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but it's just kind of like when, a, when you do a job every single day, it's something that it just becomes really comfortable. Like sure. every once in a while I'll be in the room and you know we'll be doing a, a big cycle and so there'll be lots of little ones around and I'll think to myself, I'm in a room full of dead animals and it doesn't even phase me kind of a thing and we talk to them as if they're alive and we pet them and we you know when we're doing body care we do paw prints and fur clippings and all of those things and yeah it's just a very natural comfortable thing now but but yeah I was kind of she was taking some of my skills from my past um, and to help her along with what she was doing. So about, I don't know, two, three months into starting, she had the concept, she had the name, yeah. she had um, you know the domain, all that kind of fun stuff, the business license. And mm -hmm. so she had really started the groundwork and then I kind of hopped on to help out with the other stuff, so. Okay. So, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges is marketing and letting people know that we exist. Even in the West Seattle community, I cannot tell you how many times when people, you know, times when people meet us and say, oh, you own Resting Waters. What is that? You know, and so that's been kind of a a surprising thing you know when a new restaurant opens in town we all know about it sure. well when you're doing something like what we're doing it's very different um, however one thing that's been surprising on the other hand is how great the city of Seattle was with us from everything from zoning you know we feared that we would have to be in something like light industrial or industrial because they didn't fully understand the technology and understand what we're doing and um, within 24 hours we got our um, zoning and it was we're basically looked at like a veterinary clinic and so we can we could be in a strip mall if we wanted to essentially um, and then you know when it came to our we have to have a wastewater permit because we do discharge the fluid um, that we use it's called a fluent uh, during the process down into uh, the municipal wastewater system and once again they were great they were like in comparison you know the amount that we discharge and the um what's in it is so benign and they understood that right away and were great we've had friends in the los angeles area that it was a nightmare and even other you know places are opening in washington state and they're having some issues in their areas um but seattle was great to us so that was kind of surprising on the positive sure, side. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff to figure out starting a business, mm -hmm. one, and then starting you know, a unique industry that mm -hmm. doesn't really exist in the area. Uh, what, what did you find to be one of the most surprising or unexpected aspects of starting your own business or this type of business? Um, naively, I thought if I built it, they would come. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought this is so aha, everybody will just understand this. And I didn't take into account that what the current setup was, was comfortable for everyone involved. It was comfortable for the vets and a lot of the families. And so to come out and say to them, hey, there is an alternative to this and not just the science mm -hmm. because that's a beautiful part of what we do, but 
just the idea that you can meet your death care provider. Sure. Oh my goodness. And you can demand more from your death care provider. You can request to tour the facility that your dead loved one is going to be taken care of. Oh my gosh, this was mind blowing to people. And it's been a much more difficult struggle than I anticipated. We are such a pet loving community. I, I thought people were just instantly going to say, why would I choose to leave my pet at sure. the vet when I can drive them to this beautiful facility that's in Seattle? They'll never leave Seattle. You know, we ship our dead animals off to the countryside and you cannot tour the facility. Mm -hmm. And in most cases around the nation, that's the case. Mm -hmm. So we've just become very accepting of this as a community but yet it's illegal for human care so you could never leave grandma at the hospital and look at your doctor and be like hey doc you got this let me know when grandma's ready to come home it's actually illegal for a doctor to suggest death care to you know other than a list of providers in the neighborhood a doctor cannot get a kickback when it comes to the human industry, but in the pet world, that's actually the norm. Yeah, that's the setup. So a lot of communities, it was basically like family started these cremation businesses, pet cremation businesses in the 70s and 80s because uh, people used to just bury their pets everywhere. Well, if you look at your local RCW, even in places like Texas and other, you're not supposed to bury your pets in your yard. Um, they can quickly become a nuisance. People, sure. you know, other animals dig them up, and especially if there's euthanasia drugs involved. So, so movie Pet Cemetery. Bad yes. Things happen. Yes, bad <laughs> things do happen. Don't, don't bury them in your yard. Um, and so these really great, you know, they were innovative for their time. You know, they started these pet crematoriums. And so then um, they basically went to every single vet in a huge, you know, started, I'm sure, in their town and then got bigger and bigger and bigger. So um, and then they service all of the vets. And so like Jocelyn was saying, you know, it's not, oh, here's all the local pet crematoriums in your area or pet, you know, funeral homes like they do in the human industry, they all contract with someone. Well, in our area in Washington state, there's one main uh, pet crematorium that services all of the vets and they've done a really great job with them. Um, like Jocelyn said, however, for those families that need more, they wanna go see the space, they wanna talk to the person who's going to be providing the aftercare just like you would with a human family member, that's not an option with them. Is there room to, you know, like be like start partnering with, um, with the veterinary veterinary clinics for for options, or is it primarily just people like individual pet owners that are, that are finding? So at this point, I'd say we are about forty sixty, where the majority is families that come straight to us, and then we do service a handful of clinics. Mm -hmm. um, three of which are in-home euthanasia. So uh, they partner really well with us because our, you know, our ideas are similar. We believe in things like hospice care and palliative care, sure. and um, we push for those things. In-home euthanasia fits well into what we do just because those people tend to be looking for alternatives anyway. They're already open to the idea that it doesn't have to be their clinic. Yeah. So um, that's a really great fit for us. And we have some in-home providers that offer us exclusively because they see the value in what we do. 
you know, there's the margins are smaller for clinics to use our service even as a second option. And it's a struggle. I mean, we, we market to the vets a lot. We've hosted catered events that no one shows up for. And we send a lot of educational materials. We're currently um, trying to get accepted as CE credits so that we could go in and give speeches to the vets and then they get continued education credits and they get to hear what is aquamation why should i consider this because it's difficult to get past the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper is the clinic manager who may see our emails and our invitations come through but whether or not they're actually passing those along Mm -hmm. to the veterinarians we don't know the clinic owners (laughs) yeah and it's the same thing you know they're small business owners and as we all know i mean we get i get emails all the time from random people who are trying to do yeah then you know do something with us and I'm like I'm going to respond to that email I'm going to respond to that email so we understand and you know the the big guy that which is now owned by a huge um corporation out of Canada so it's kind of interesting what has happened in the human death care world which is you know corporations coming in and buying up small independently owned family run funeral homes that's happening now in pet death care which is super interesting and kind of wild to be a part of all of this during this time um but like I said, for them, they they provide a good service. It's you know they come weekly and they drop off weekly and they um, they meet all of their needs. And so we understand that um, adding on a second option takes work. Sure. It takes work for their staff. It takes work for them. And you know coming to meet us. But we also have been really surprised by tons of. Um, Vets have read our article. We had a big Seattle Times piece that came out in September, and that has been helped us so much. Um, and we get all the time families that said, oh, my vet in Renton told me to come to you, like saw that I needed more, saw that you would be a good fit for me. So that's been really neat. You know, it's not as if that they don't want to work with us. I think that it's just, you know, it, it does come down to, to money. And um, although we try and match, you know, wholesale pricing for them as much as we can, we're just not the same thing. You know, we're not a factory. We are, we touch every animal. We work with them, every single one of them um, independently. And it's just a very, it's a different service. But um, so we would love to work with the vets. But we also, the main reason why we open was to work with families directly we want them to come in we want them to create a ritual for them surrounding the the death of their loved one and that's extremely important to us and when we work with the vets it looks a little differently sometimes we don't meet the families at all and we don't get to hear their story and you know we don't they're not emailing us photos of them while they were still alive and you know all those really neat things that make this job as great of a job as it is so like you said right now that you're basically the the law prohibits uh this to be done for humans Mm -hmm. uh you know i think people are probably a little more aware of what happens on the human side yeah but i mean it's still pretty archaic in the sense of like put them in a box put them in the ground or Mm -hmm. burn them you know like Mm -hmm. is there think room for this on the the human side if so are you guys interested in getting that or you primarily just want to stick with the pets so um There is a house bill currently. I'm trying to look up the house bill number. We are trying to bring aquamation for humans to Washington State. So um, our legislators are voting on it, hopefully, at some point in 2018. Mm -hmm. Last year, it did not 
passed not for lack of, it didn't get voted against, it just didn't get voted on. There were more pressing issues. Um, the House bill is actually House Bill 1700. And um, if someone wants to write their legislator and ask for an alternative to flame-based cremation, Seattle proper is 95% cremation for death care in humans. That's a huge number. Mm -hmm. um, the country is 51% um, cremation. So, so we're massive. We're, and so to not have an option other than that is a little bit frustrating, especially when it's already legal in Oregon State and California. Um, California. And every year, you know, a, I'd say a half a dozen maybe states attempt to pass it. And the truth is it's actually legal in all 50 states if used in a medical facility. So like the Mayo Clinic, Duke University, and a dozen others have their own alkaline hydrolysis units. And then when they have bodies through the Willed Body Program, they're done with that cadaver. That's how they typically take care of the disposition to give ashes back to the families. Um, so it, it absolutely should be here for mm -hmm. humans, and I hope that this is the year that it happens. When we started Resting Waters, we tried not to pigeonhole ourselves into being just pet death care, which is why we didn't use a fluffy pet-centric name. Sure. Um, whether or not Resting Waters will go in that direction, I would love to see us at least be part of some sort of that direction, even as just investors to funeral directors who plan to purchase units together or however it ends up working out. Yeah. Um, again, I don't plan to go get my license, so <laughs> I couldn't technically, I could own a facility, but I couldn't technically run it. I would have to hire okay, it yeah. done, yeah. Interesting. Um, moving into a little more of, the, more of the personal side of things, I mean, what's kind of your, your backstory? I mean, your, your sisters, mm -hmm. uh, I believe you grew up here in, in Seattle, right? Mostly. We've been here since I was 12, so mm -hmm. a long time. We've okay. been in Washington State. Our parents were pretty nomadic, so until that move, mm -hmm. we had been a little bit of everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so it feels like... Home. Seattle and Washington is yeah. our home. Sure. So whenever anybody asks, I'm like, yeah, I'm from here. I don't even mm -hmm. go into the yeah, yeah. to the story. But yeah, we've always been really close, best friends. We've rarely fought. And um, so... Although we're of, six years apart, so yeah. you'd think that that wouldn't be the case. But I think it helped us. Mm -hmm. We were never in competition with each other because mm -hmm. we were never at the same place mm -hmm. in life. Sure. Um, you know, I had my kids way before her and was... Mm -hmm married off way before her and went to prom way before mm -hmm. her had a license and <laughs> she just sort of got to piggyback off those things I yeah. guess and so that made the relationship easier mm -hmm. I think and I think even you know with this business we have very different strengths mm -hmm. and you know when we were doing the build out I know nothing about that I've you know never owned my own home mm -hmm. I rented rooms from people you know I was like young professional kind of doing that whole thing and um jocelyn has done multiple remodels and construction projects and she's completely overseeing all of that stuff so she i was the whole time was just like i don't i don't know i i I don't want to touch it. I don't want to look at it. This freaks me out. Every time I would go, I <laughs> would be like, like nauseous. Do you like this She'd be like, sure, I like that tile. Yeah, she'd be like, come to Home Depot with me. And I'm like, <laughs> um, 
And then, you know, like I said, I had a business background. And so just even small things of how, you know, Excel works or mm-hmm. this or that, you know, just Power silly things. This. Yeah. Um, and, you know, creating some of our marketing materials and um, that kind of stuff. So I think that that's also what makes this business really flow. I mean, of course, we get frustrated with one another. Of sure. course, there's, you know, not fun days. But in reality, Anyways, yeah. There's been no no big issues and where we didn't talk for a day or anything like that, just because we do very different things. Okay. Now, what uh, other than you know running the business, uh, what would you say that you guys are passionate about? Probably our families, our children. Our boys are incredibly doted on and spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't have a hobby. I'm very boring. <laughs> you, um, uh, you have a hobby. What? You podcast all day, every day. I do. Day. I do listen to a lot of podcasts. So that Which means I listen to a uh-huh. lot of podcasts. Okay. She's always like, can't we just listen to music? And I'm like, no, there's another murder mystery that I'm trying to solve. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm pretty boring. So especially with this, I mean, this job is 24-7. We're open seven days a week, sure. technically 24 hours a day, every holiday, every everything. So... Um, if we're, when we're not on call, we're doing our family stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd imagine that when someone needs death care for an animal, Mm -hmm. you can't really wait. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you actually can wait and we coach people through that. Um, we've had families bring us their pets up to a week post death, Mm -hmm. um, with little ice bags, you can really actually keep a body at home pretty well preserved. So um, I think that in the pet world, it's a little bit more natural Mm -hmm. that people see that as an option. Mm -hmm. We're a little bit more fearful of it with our human Mm -hmm. family members, but with pets. Grandma sitting in the living room just hanging out Mm -hmm. (laughs) used to be like that but we are a little afraid of it now so but people like Jaws I'm saying it's very natural for people to do it with pets and that's really neat to see we have all walks of life you know it's not just one typical type of person Mm -hmm. that wants to do something like that and We've had everything from, I want them to sleep in my room one last time, and so they prolong us coming or them coming to us, all the way to, I had a really bad death experience with a cat, and I left just minutes after the euthanasia, and for years I didn't believe that she was dead, so I want to keep the body until I feel as though that like I can mentally completely understand that she's gone. Sure. Um, like We even had a woman in yesterday who kept saying, it looks like she's breathing. It looks like mm-hmm. she's breathing because your mind does like trick you. Sure. And, you know, there's fur and there's, you know, different things. And, and so, the body stays warm. Yeah. For warm and longer for, than you think it yeah. will. Um, I've picked up in clinic hours after euthanasia mm-hmm. and picked up a little warm body mm-hmm. and went, oh, you're still like, yeah. it still feels like you're here, sure. even though you're not mm-hmm. here anymore. Sure. I could say I had to mess with your. You're heading your emotions a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I apologize. We're both well, passionate about the death positive movement, yeah, which is yeah. in part how we ended up here. I mean, yeah. we had been following the movement independently for years, mm-hmm. although I wouldn't say it's what got us into the business per se, mm-hmm. although it's made the journey a lot easier mm-hmm. because we had great resources. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just more of an interest and yeah. then 
it's just kind of funny how both worlds collided. So it's like people that we had been following online personalities and all of that for years are now friends of ours and now we collaborate with them and are on, you know, their mini documentaries or speaking at their events. And, you know, that's been also a really neat thing is people find what we do really interesting. Mm -hmm. So people like yourself ask us to be on podcasts or we've done YouTube small documentaries or we've, you know, we've spoken at UW and you know just we've done really interesting you know Seattle Times reached out to us and said we want to follow you for three months and do a huge spread in our magazine and it was just it's really neat so that part has been I don't think that we realized how many you know we had a Japanese film crew news station following us around for three days you know it's just been that aspect and how many teenagers are like I'm doing a school project will you talk to me about this and human morticians find us to be so interesting because we do something you know there hasn't been a new form of disposition on the market for humans for a hundred years so we had one of our human mortician friends come to our first aquamation because he was like, I, this is monumental. This is the first time this has happened in Washington State. Like, mm-hmm. I have to say that I was there. And those things have just been like, really? You know, we look up to you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys are the ones that went to school for this and did all this fancy stuff. And, um, you know, it's actually our human mortician friends that were like, no, you guys are pet morticians. You guys can call yeah. yourself that. You, you've you earned that title. And yeah. so it's just kind of funny how, yeah, something that we had followed for a long time and read their books and, mm-hmm. and you know, really been a part of this whole death positivity that's been happening over the last five years or so. And then now it's like... Now it's truly our world. Yeah. Sure, now you guys are part of the community. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's been really cool. Sure. You know, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, question, what, what's, what's been some of the best advice you guys have ever received? Whether, whether personal or business-wise? So I think um, one of our mentors said to me, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like, this isn't going to stop. Because something I didn't anticipate was being interviewed. I didn't think anybody would give two iotas really about what I was doing here in West Seattle. Um, but we have been in what the New York Post, we have been on several online publications, we've, this is our second podcast, Mm -hmm. like we said, the Japanese crew came for three days, we've given speeches at UW, these were things I did not anticipate, Mm -hmm. and as an introvert, they were very difficult for me to take on, and like, I get nervous, and I have rosacea, so I turn bright red, (laughs) and... (laughs) I shake and I like I really don't want to be a public speaker but I also really love educating people about Mm -hmm. death care Mm -hmm. options and not just AH or what we do science wise but just that they can care for their dead in a different way and so pretty early on someone was like you're just gonna have to get over this and I thought I do I have to figure out how to get over it and I did I mean I think that now I'm okay Mm -hmm. for the most part I still get super nervous usually like 24 hours before (laughs) something's gonna happen and then once I'm in the moment I'm like what's the worst thing that can happen seems like you're doing fine you look very normal (laughs) (laughs) you're not bright red Um, but yeah I think yeah piggybacking off of the being getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's kind of that whole, like, also the fake it till you make it kind of a thing that, you know, we know a lot of small business owners and a lot of them are like, none of us know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It is a daily, yeah, we're sorting this out every single day. And, um, 
But some real tangible advice was the um, creating a business plan. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my buddies owns a very successful brewery down in uh, the Gig Harbor, Tacoma area. And he was like, I know that this sounds super old school and I know that it's the last thing that you want to do, but creating a business plan and having it as a living document. Yeah. So that was a like first thing you need to do. You can start a business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, you know, because we were just kind of fly bossy. Yeah. It's fine. We got it. We're, we're financing it ourselves and you know, we don't need any of this stuff. And then it was like, yeah, there was a lot of like, it's not your business. Yeah. I've got this. Yeah. Don't talk to me about what I'm going to do. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so that was, like, real tangible advice. But um, but I think it's been nice to hear from people that also own business, small businesses that it's like, we're all just flying by the seat yeah. of our pants. We're all just trying to figure this out every day. And so that was nice to know because, you know, on the outside, so many, you know, you've got it all together. Sure. This is all. All you tend to see is the successes. You don't see the yeah. years of failures and yeah. trial and error to get there. Yeah. So that's been nice. That's been nice to, you know, a days when you're laying in bed at 2 a.m. Like, am I ruining my family financially? Am I like, what are we doing? What is what is going on? You know, it's like, okay, is this a sustainable lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah. Are we taking away too many hours from our family? Yeah. And it's emotional. I mean, we take on people's everything, right? We get their stories. We hug them we take photographs of them we get to see photographs with them and their loved ones and um we cry with them i mean i cry a lot in this job but i also have to have energy for my 10 year old and for my spouse and for my household and so i think that people don't realize how draining death care is okay um so earlier in the interview you mentioned that uh you're kind of boring like me, and you mm-hmm. enjoy just listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. What, what are your favorites? So I love, like I said, anything murder mystery. Okay. So um, there's this podcast called the Missing Mora Murray podcast. It's a very unique story about this woman that went missing in the Midwest, and they still haven't found her. Um, and then I loved S-Town. I don't know if you yep. listened to that. That was amazing. Crazy, yeah. And then just to fill in, I do things like... Um, this American life and that kind of stuff. Um, there's a really great podcast that I want everyone to listen to. It's called terrible. Thanks for asking. It's by a woman who her husband died at age 30, I believe of brain cancer. And so it's really kind of depressing, but it's good. And it's, um, it's about death, but it's also just about loss and awful things happening and how you get through them. And so it really fits into kind of what we believe in and what we are really trying to get out there is talking to people and it, about death and, and, and talking to yourself about death and being really aware that it's going to happen and it's coming. And yeah. we live in this society where, you know, we're all told that we're going to live to be over a hundred and to get used to it and how we can eat these foods that are going to make us last for the rest of, you know, eternity. And we just don't see death. We don't see dead bodies. We don't see people dying. You know, they don't die in our homes anymore. And, um, it's just a really neat podcast about, about loss and about how to speak to someone about loss. And, you know, it's her perspective is so neat of being a young widow and just the way that people would talk to her and really how they wouldn't talk to her about things. And I just think it's great to, for all of us to have those skills in our back pocket because we're all going to have to face it and be around someone who had a great loss. And if you can talk to them in a positive way, um, that doesn't, um, 
take away from what they're feeling at that time. Sure. It's the greatest gift that you can give someone. So that's one of my favorite ones at the moment. But yeah, just a lot of death and destruction. Any <laughs> anything where people are being murdered, I yeah, oh, I yeah. will. I'm like, this is oh, a great business for you. who died today? <laughs> I'm always like, what are we listening to now? Uh-huh. Yeah, my significant other always jokes whenever we're watching like a documentary. He's like, Darcy. It's a podcast with pictures <laughs> because I mean that's how addict. I mean all of, I listen funny. to them all day, all night. Okay. So do, um, do you listen to some of the Gimlet Media ones? I don't. Which uh, so Alex Bloomberg, who I believe co-founded This American Life and Planet Money, oh, okay. just left and started uh, the startup podcast, which is him documenting oh. him yeah. starting up a podcast empire oh that's funny and, uh, so the first season's fascinating because it's it's literally like him recording everything including talking to venture capitalists and you know getting oh, a business wow. partner and stuff mm-hmm. and then he basically had, you know at the end of that came up with the name had a business partner and now they have like dozens of like kind of mm-hmm. npr style high production quality so just look up i think gimlet media.com oh, nice. or, or something so as we wrap up here yeah. the it sounds like you know one of the the hurdles you guys have is kind of getting the word out there mm-hmm. this is an option um what's the best way for people to get a hold of you or find out more about what you're doing yeah so our website is restingwaters.com which is pretty easy our phone number is 206-708-0621 and um, we're on instagram we're on twitter we're on facebook and it should all just be Resting Waters for yeah, those. Um, it might be shorts. Resting Waters Aquamation for our Facebook. Yeah, for our Facebook. I think Instagram is Resting Waters and um, Twitter is Resting Waters. Okay. So we're pretty active on social media. Um, but to really look at the science of Aquamation and our offerings and what we do, um, our website has a ton of information mm-hmm. for that. Okay. So, yeah. Very good. Well, thank you very much, ladies, for uh, for joining us. Uh, again, it's been Darcy Bressler and uh, Jaws on Roth, the sisters that uh, run Resting Waters Aquamation. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you. you. <laughs> that wraps up this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast. Make sure to check out our guest's website, pay them a visit, and help spread the word about what they're doing. If you have any questions, know someone who should be a guest on here or has a story worth sharing, email me at christianharris at ctown.com. That's S-E-A-town.com. I would also be honored if you could go to iTunes and give us a review and a nice five-star rating. We work hard to bring on great guests and provide exceptional content, and getting a review from you is one way to help the podcast rank well in iTunes so others can find and enjoy the show as well. You can also find out more about me, how my real estate brokerage and our unconventional approach can help you with your Seattle area real estate needs, or other projects I'm working on by visiting ctown.com, S-E-A town.com. Today's intro and outro music is brought to you by the Fascination Movement. You can find their albums in the iTunes store. The Seatown podcast creator and host is Christian Harris. You can listen to more episodes and find our show notes on our website at ctownpodcast.com. This has been a Seatown Media Production.